Hello and welcome to Insight. Today I'm joined by Matthew Errett, Senior Fellow at the American University in Moscow, Editor-in-Chief of the Canadian Patriot Review and co-founder of the Rising Tide Foundation uh, by Issa Blumey from the Department of Asian and Middle Eastern Studies at Stockholm University and by Vanessa Bealey, independent journalist and regular UK column contributor. Welcome everybody to the programme. Uh, it's a delight to have you here. Uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about China and China's influence in Africa and the Middle East in particular. Um, so where do we start? Uh, China obviously over the last lot of years has been uh, developing its interests in the Horn of Africa, in the Middle East, um, particularly as part of the Belt and Road project. Um, and uh, so I'd, I'd like to maybe begin by just asking each of you, if we begin with Matt and then with Isa in particular, I'd like to get your perspective on, on as a sort of baseline for where you think or what you think China is doing in these in these in this region. So, Matt, first, if we could start with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that the famous anecdote between Henry Kissinger and Zhou Enlai is is always a good one. Um, Kissinger being somebody who had brought online a new type of uh, foreign policy for the U.S. in terms of how foreign aid would be determined, especially towards poor countries that were outlined in his uh, NSSM 200 report in 1974 that was declassified almost 20 years later, which outlined, you know, 14 aspiring countries that wish within the global south to have industrial, uh, modern technology uh, and industry, which can no longer be permitted to, to have those wishes um, obeyed. And, and that the United States must instead enforce a, uh, a policy of zero technological growth, or at the very least, negative population growth in some fashion or another. And he, he outlines in this document the idea that the resources under the soil of many of these countries, Ethiopia, Mexico, uh, many Asian countries are on the list, Egypt, uh, they're in the strategic interests of the United States. And if they did develop their industrial capacity and stood on their own two feet, then the U.S. would be less secure within the context of the Cold War. And thus, that could never be permitted. Um, now, Kissinger had an experience with Zhou Enlai early on when he asked about uh, Zhou Enlai's considerations or thoughts of the French Revolution. And Zhou Enlai said, you know, it's a little bit too early to tell. <laughs> and Kissinger prided himself on having a long wave of history. And it's, it's true, compared to your average technocrat, he does take a long wave. He's one of those types who recognizes that things that happened in like 1648 with the Peace of Westphalia still have an impact on what's going on today, which is true. And most people don't appreciate these things, but he was he was startled that Zhou Enlai took a much longer approach to uh, the, the waves of history. And and by saying it's too, too soon to tell, he was startled. Because uh, I mean, again, there, there's I think something in the, in the Chinese philosophy that Zhou Enlai was tapping into or expressing that does take a multi, a deep, deep view of the, the long waves of history, thousands of years into the past and into the future, into their considerations, which is very rare for the Western, average Western technocrat to think in terms of, or, or especially your average popular member of the, the, the citizenry. So I think, you know, today China in Africa is uh, doing something which I think ties into a very, very long-term strategy for humanity as a whole, which runs contrary to the sort of, uh, you know, system of stasis and negative population growth that had been encouraged um, by the Anglo-American establishment for many decades. And I think that they're trying their best to provide a new way of doing business 
that is much more premised upon um, emitting long-term credit for actual tangible, you know, creations of infrastructure, soft and hard alike, as well as educational programs in many of the countries that they're doing business with. Despite the fact that there are imperfections, and I think we're going to talk about some of those imperfections today in terms of the, the missteps or the, the choices made along the way within a context of a very rigged and dishonest global game that they're operating within. Um, but I think it is a, overall a, a very different paradigm, <clears throat> what we've seen regarding China's approach to African investments and security more broadly than the sort of thing that had been keeping that country underwater for generations. Okay, th thank you for that. Isa, is this something that you would agree with? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, I, I see 